right, if you, uh, if you didn't high-five someone, I'm sorry, you missed the high-five train. Hey, uh, it's, it's a good day to be in church. I know it's cold. I know Ohio is confusing. I know we never know what season or state we live in day by day. I woke up yesterday and thought I was in Florida and woke up today and thought I was in Alaska. So I get it. But, man, you know, it's okay to clap in church. It's okay to have fun in church. It's okay to have a good time in church. So my name is Jason. I get to be the pastor here. And we are in a series as we walk through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John together. And uh, in this, this series, we've said that John tells us, don't make God into your image. Make yourself into the image of God. And then we talked about how light is this consistent source in all of his writings and different things that light does. And we've said, first of all, that light heals. Then we said that light reveals. And then we said that light wins and it unites. And then this week, we're going to talk about how light guides. Light guides. First John chapter 5, verse 1. First John chapter 5. We're going to read verse 1 through 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. That's like, John is like right off the bat telling us something that's really difficult. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. I love that he's like, obey them. He didn't say you have to love them, just obey them right there, right? For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. This is not in the sermon, but this verse hit me. I've been reading this verse over and over and over again. And John is saying something. I didn't have this in my notes. John is saying something super important. Everyone struggles in the world. Everyone, Christians, non-Christians. But John says, you have overcome it when you become a child of God. John says, the moment that you become a child of God, you have achieved a victory that the rest of the world longs for, hopes for, struggles for, and cannot ever find unless they find him. I think sometimes in America, we make salvation like, raise your hand, get saved. Okay, no big deal. But what John here says just shows the gravity and one of the beautiful things about salvation. You do get to spend eternity in heaven, and that's beautiful and wonderful and important and awesome. But also, you gain a victory over the world over the, the, the death, over temptation, all of these things that we all hate, over fear, over the grave, all these things that we struggle with, you find that the moment you find Jesus. And that's very powerful. And then he says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So I, I'm going to ask a question here, and you don't have to like, I'm not going to call you up, okay? I'm not going to make you walk up here and tell a story. But have you ever stepped on one of your children's or dog's toys in the middle of the night with no lights on and been in absolute 
agony. Has that ever happened to you? Okay, okay, I'm among friends. I was telling this story recently to someone. Um, we used to have a bunch of toys for kids' church. And one time we had like a Christmas Eve service and it was really late and I was going to take these toys out. And I don't know why one of these toys spoke French, but it spoke French. And I was carrying the, this, uh, this bag of toys in the dark alone. And one of the toys in the bag started speaking and laughing in French. And there is absolutely nothing more terrifying in all of your life than being in pitch black and some doll starts speaking to you in French and then laughs. It's terrifying. I instantly ripped it out of the bag and threw it in the dumpster. I'm like, I don't care if this is some kid's special toy. They're never seeing this thing again. Be gone, Damon. <laughs> I was so afraid. Isn't it funny how uh, we do things in the dark? And here it's a little bit hard to understand because it's kind of always almost light. But we would grow up, we would go fishing. My, my brother and I, my brother's a big time into fishing. And my brother's life goal is if it's really difficult, that's what you should try to do. And if it's easy, avoid it at all cost. So he didn't fish in the day. He fished in pitch black. And he was convinced that the fish could see his flashlight. So we had no lights. So we would be out fishing 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in absolute darkness. And sometimes in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan where I grew up, there's just a billion stars, and the moon is huge. And when that happens, you've got all this light to kind of guide you around the lake. But sometimes up there, it's dark. And the only thing that you see is a mosquito the size of a hawk trying to attack you. And so you're in a fishing net. you got like a mosquito net over you and you're fishing and, there's, and it's just pitch black. But always, my parents would leave the backlight porch on. And always, no matter what time of day it was, no matter what time of night, we could see that light and that light would always guide us home. It would always show us, hey, this is the way we should go. John right here gives us like one of the most difficult things that he could possibly give us to do. He says to us, hey, you're a child of God. You've overcome the world because of that. You should love the father. You should love his children and you should love his commandments. It can be really difficult really hard. But John kind of gives us this idea that the three of them are not three separate things. They actually work together in balance. They work together in balance. And it looks like this, because I love God, I love his children. And because I love his children, I keep his commandments because I understand that the commandments of God show us how to live in community with one another. And because I live in community with one another and love his commandments, it's easier for me to treat other people right. So I love his children. And because I love his children, I love him. And instead of three separate things, John kind of points to this idea that the three of them perfectly balance each other. And when we begin to grasp it, we begin to understand that by loving the children, as some of us do, or loving the commandments, as some of us do, or by loving the Father, as some of us do, it becomes easier to then follow through on the other ones. But it's still a difficult thought, but a beautiful idea. So how do we then follow through with this? Like, how do we achieve what John is asking us to achieve? Because he's saying to us, hey, you're children of God. You've been born of God. You overcome the world. So this is possible. And it makes us ask the question, okay, John, if it's possible, how do we do it? You've got to guide us. And John gives us two big words in 1 John. 
He gives us these two big things. One is the word beloved. It's beloved. John starts off so many of his writings with this word beloved. And this is interesting because John is, is very much about the love of God. He talks about the love of God over 40 times in 1 John alone. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. He talks about love continually. He encourages us to love each other. And he keeps throwing around this word, beloved. And the idea here for John is everything we do is out of an overflow of love from God. This is important. He is reminding us continually over and over and over again, hey, God loves you. And he keeps bringing it up and he keeps bringing it up. And we learn to love from the knowledge of God's love for us. And John is firmly rooted in this. What John is saying is that God loves you. And because he loves you, it becomes easier to love him. And when you love him, it's easier to love his children. And when it's easier to love his children, it's easier to love his commandments. And he points us to something that anything God does is the most loving possible thing for his children. Anything God does is the most pos loving possible thing for his children. It's not always easy to see this. It's not always easy to realize, God, you really love me when I'm going through this temptation. God, you're our trial, I'm sorry. God, you really love me when I'm going through this struggle. God, you really love me when I'm going through this pain. God, you really love me when I'm going through this. God, you really love me. But why? John keeps pointing out the love of God to show us that if it's happening, it's the most loving thing possible for you. God said his plans for us are always better than us for our plans. Why? Because his plans for us are more loving than our own plans. God loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than you could possibly ever love yourself, so he tries to guide you in the most pot loving possible way that he can. And he does this over and over and over in everything. And this is why we start to lose our way. Often we lose sight of how much God loves us, and we begin to lose our way. When we lose sight of how much the Father loves us, we begin to then try to fulfill that desire for love that only God can provide through other people. And when this happens, only one of two things will happen. Either we will use people or people will use us. Those are the only two possible outcomes when we search for love that can be found only in God from people. And what we will do is we will begin to use people saying, make me feel something that only God can help me feel. Make me happy. But we will use people or we will say, you can use me as long as you make me feel loved. And this happens so often in our culture. And this is why the second big word is so important. He calls us children. He calls his children. In fact, John's really interesting because John keeps calling us throughout all of 1 John, little children, little children, little children, little children. And it's very interesting. John is almost the only person in the entire New Testament to use this phrase besides Jesus. 
John uses it eight of the nine times it's used. And he just keeps calling us this word. Hey, you are little children. And he gets it from Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say unto you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never even enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children have faith and they trust their father's guidance. And this is what he's saying to us. John is saying, you are loved by the father who loves you like you are his only child. Live out of the power of that knowledge. I think this is important because in John's day, John's day, everyone was telling everybody what they were not. In John's day, there was this massive battle. We talked about it last week between all of these different churches. There, Ephesus was full of these house churches, and all of these house churches were, were fighting between themselves, saying, come to our church, not theirs, because we're more intelligent. We have this special knowledge, and they only have this knowledge, and we have this knowledge. And they were all fighting amongst themselves, but really what they were doing was telling each other, you're not this. And we look at our world, and what do we currently see every time we open a phone? We see everything that we're not. Everything that we're not. There's a video I was, I was going to, I debated playing it, but I thought it might be a bit too intense. There's a video right now of uh, a family, and they show their, their daughter at age one, and they sing happy birthday to her. Maybe some of you have seen this video, but they start to show her birthdays from one to three to five to seven. And in all of these videos, the girl is loved by her parents and she's so happy and they're singing to her and she's, she's and they're telling her she's beautiful and she's so happy. And then at age nine, she opens a box and in it is this. And it's about a three-minute video, and I cried through the last minute and a half. Because what happens then is this video changes from showing how loved she was by her family and how accepted she was by her family and, and how much they were like, we love you, and we're singing, and her friends are singing, and they show her get on the phone, and they begin to show her what, they begin to show you what tweens look at. And everything that she sees tells her, you're not pretty, you're not beautiful, you're not cool, you're not okay, you're not this, you're not that. Literally down to showing that she begins to measure the size of her arm and she begins to measure the size of her ankle and her leg. And they show uh, that she's beginning to journal her food while influencer after influencer begins to tell her, if you don't buy this, you won't be happy. And if you're not, if you don't look like this, you're not beautiful. And eventually the video ends with her in a hospital bed with the eating disorder. And that is what our culture does. That is what the world we live in does. The world we live in is obsessed with telling you everything that you are not so they can sell you something. And it's not just to little kids. 
Look at how negatively our culture views being a mom or a dad. Don't be that. You'll never be cool again, and you'll never be funny, and you'll never be attractive ever again in your life. You'll never get sleep. You'll never have fun. You'll never have friends. You'll never get to do this. Don't you dare be that. And if you become a parent, what do they tell you? Everything you do is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. You're not this. You're not this. You're not this. You're too overprotective. You're not protective enough. You're too happy. You're not happy enough. You're too loving. You're not loving enough. And our culture pushes and shoves on us this idea that no matter what, we are not. And John comes along and says, hey, in God's eyes, you are his beloved child. And this knowledge that God the Father loves me like I am his child gives us the guidance and the power to be able to then navigate and live in a complex and difficult world. And it is difficult. It's hard sometimes, guys. Sometimes it's just difficult. But understanding that God loves you and you are his child will help guide you into the power and the victory that you need to overcome a difficult, broken world. When I was a little kid, my brother and I used to ride bikes and my sisters, uh, we, there was four of us, and we would just ride bikes everywhere. We lived on a dirt road in the middle of the UP. There was no one around and no rules. My dad was at work. My mom was in, in the house. I think she was just like, y'all just, wanna, <laughs> just leave me alone, all right? Just whatever goes. And so we would, make, we would make trails through the forest. At one point, we found a tree that had like a big, uh, like it started here, went up, and then came back down. So we would try to ride our bikes up over that, and we would always fall. We used to try to ride our bikes down a hill, and we figured out one time that it's a really fun contest to see who can ride their bike down the hill, off the dock, and into the lake the furthest. I always lost. And somehow, my sister never quite ever entered the competition, even though it was her idea in the first place. We would, play, we would play this game where me and my brothers, or my brother and my sisters would, ri or sisters would ride as fast as we could, and then my brother had a little siren on the front of his car, and he would pull us over and ride us tickets. And it was super fun until he got really into it, and then the tickets began to be, you have to clean my bedroom. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't paying this, you ain't a real officer. <laughs> you ain't fooling me. We used to pull up to the front of the house at lunch, and my mom would walk to the front of the house and she would give us a menu out the window on her bikes and we would circle the menu and she would say, welcome to the Williams Family Restaurant and we would circle what we liked and then uh, we would put it in and then she would walk all the way to the back of the house and we would drive our bikes through the drive-through to the back end and then she would hand the food out the window and we would, that was about the only time we saw her the whole day. It was super fun. But before I ever learned how to ride a bike, I fell down like a million times. Any of you struggle to ride a bike? Any, no, just me. Okay, okay, phew. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I struggled to ride a bike. I'm the youngest of four. My brother outweighed me by 50 pounds and five inches my entire life. And so I've always compared myself to him and it always made me so angry. I'm a little bit of a competitive human. So it made me so angry that he could just ride his bike and I would struggle to. I would fall down, throw the bike. I'm never riding this bike again. Pick it up and try to ride it again. Over and over and over and over again. 
One day, my dad came home and we went on a walk. My dad got behind me and he was like, you don't have to do anything but pedal and I'll push you all the way around. Now we have a two mile lake and I'm like, I'm in for this. I'm in for this, you can push me. And so he started to push me and we were, I was going faster and faster and faster. And all of a sudden I looked back and my dad was about 150 yards behind me and I had no clue that he had even let go. What did he do? He guided me like a loving father does. He gave me the power, the energy, the confidence to do something I had no capability of doing on my own. And then he said, and now you can do this, you can go. And this is what God the Father does for us. He tells us, hey, I want y'all to love me because I love you. I want y'all to love each other because that, that, that other Christian that you just can't get along with, I love them too. And I know it's hard to think that, but I do. And I know those commandments, some of them are pretty tough. But I love them and I love you and you can do this. And he guides us as a loving father guides his children. We get into trouble when we lose sight of being little children because we cannot guide ourselves as well as he can guide us because he loves us more than we ever could. So how do we let him guide us? We've got just a couple minutes. How do we let him guide us? Number one, scripture. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Prayer, ask God to guide you. This is a major mental shift in prayer. Instead of praying and saying, God, I need you to give me this person or this thing or this title or this job or I need this, ask God, God, what do you want me to have? Guide me. Show me what it is you're leading me to. Thirdly, gratitude. The Bible says, in all things give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So no matter where you are, if you're grateful, you are in the will of God. Be grateful for all the things that he's given you. Then remember that you are a beloved child of God. In his eyes, you are beautiful. In his eyes, you are valuable. In his eyes, you are loved. In his eyes, you are everything. He sees you like that. And I find that when I struggle to understand that God loves me or believe that God loves me, I all of a sudden start to struggle to love him, his children, and his commandments a lot more. So this week, lean into the fact that God is a really good father. And he's guiding you. And he's empowering you. And he loves you so much that he would die for you. When that boy dumps you, when that girl breaks up with you, God loves you. When you're going through that trial, God loves you. When you're going through depression, God loves you. When you're going through anxiety, God loves you. When you're going through struggles, God loves you. When you're feeling in pain, God loves you. When you're hurting, God loves you. When you feel alone, God is with you. He is your father and he cares for you. And John says, I can sum up the entire book of 1 John by saying, hey, you are a beloved child of the father. Live in the power of that.
We live in that power. He guides us to do things we never thought were possible. That person who at your work is like, I'm a Christian, and then they say the most unchristian thing ever, you can love them. You can walk with them in life and have conversations with them. That person who's like, I'm a Christian, and then things on Facebook, God loves you. He'll give you the strength. The things that he asks you to do that are tough, he loves you. He'll give you the strength. Just ask him for it. So here's what we're going to do today. The worship team is going to come up here. We, we did this last week a little bit. I'm going to come down. I'm going to pray. I'm willing to pray with anyone who wants to pray, but I would prefer it if you pray with each other. So here's what we're going to do. I wrote down some things to help you. I'm going to encourage all of us as a church to pray together as a church. So I'm going to encourage you in just a minute to find someone near you and pray with them. You say, I don't know them. Even better. Even better, introduce yourself to them. Hey, my name's Jason, and I think you're awesome. So we're going to ask you to name something about God that you love, something about the person you appreciate, and then pray with each other, asking God to guide them and help them. And I know it's hard to high-five people in church, and I know it's hard to clap after a song, but this is going to challenge you. So I'm going to come down front, and if you're like, I just cannot speak to another human being, I just can't do it, I'll pray with you. But it's so much more powerful as we as a church remind each other as a church, God loves you. God's for you. God's with you. How can I pray for you? So I'm gonna ask you all to stand to your feet right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you, are you a child of God? Is there a moment in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is there a moment in your life where you've said, you know what? I do not have the victory that you're talking about. And the reason I don't have the victory you're talking about is because, boy, I have tried to live this life on my own. I've tried to fight this life on my own. I've tried to conquer death and the grave and sin on my own, and I just can't do it. I don't know what to do. I have no victory. Victory is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Salvation is not found in wording prayers in a special flowery way, almighty being, none of that stuff. It's found in saying, Jesus, I need you to save me and do for me what only you can do. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And praying that simple prayer welcomes you into a family. And I know, look, I get it. I really, I do. I understand that I had a great father and so sometimes it's a little bit easier for me to say God is like a good father because I had that. For some of us, your father wasn't that. But God is a good father. He is not an evil father. In fact, God said one time, if a child comes to a good father, and says, hey, will you give me a loaf of bread? That father doesn't say, here's a snake instead. And then he says, you're humans, so you're just kind of like, okay, Christians, okay, fathers, but God is a good father. So when you go to him and ask him for blessings, he is more than willing because he loves you like a wonderful father. And he wants to guide you through a difficult, hard, 
complex world. So become like a child again and say, I need you to guide me. I can't figure it out. You've got to show me and I'll trust you. And he'll guide you in paths that are even better than you ever thought were possible in all of your life. And one day, you'll stand in front of him and see the Father face to face in the light of his glory and his grace. So I'm gonna pray. These guys will worship. You are more than encouraged to find someone near you. I love that you wanna pray with your family, but I would also love if your family would pray with another family. That would be even more special. And if you're not, if you got something like, hey, I need you to pray about this, Jason, I'll be down here to pray with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are loving, kind, just, holy, righteous. You are a good father. So often in our lives, Lord, we fail you. And yet you are here to guide us. Pull us back because you love us like we are your only child. So much that you're willing to die for us. God, we ask that you guide us in a dark world. Be the light that we need. Give us the faith and the reminders that we have overcome and the victory is here. We just need to see it because we are loved by you. We'll ask this in Jesus' name.